Good morning, uh, UECP. Today, the title of the message is Experiencing God's Grace. I'll be wrapping up the book of Hosea. And it's been a long time since I've been able to preach. And the reason is because, yes, I got COVID okay, during September and was also hospitalized. But thank God, no, um, by God's grace, I'm still alive, and I just want to, you know, just really say thank, thank God for saving me. And you know, um, the underlying theme of the book of Hosea is grace. God's grace is about His unfailing love to His unfaithful people. God's grace is about His unfailing love to His unfaithful people. You see, the offer of grace is offered to all meaning there's no discrimination. It's offered to Chinese, to Filipinos, to Koreans, Japanese, Americans. It's offered to all. We all need grace today. In order to truly experience the grace of God, we need to be brought low. And it is at this time that Israel is now ready to return to God. Now they are ready to experience grace. You see, there are three things that God wants us to do so that we can experience grace. Three things. Number one, return to God. Second, receive God's love and forgiveness. And third, remember our identity in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open to Hosea 14. If not, you can follow me on the screen. Verse 1 to uh, is actually a call to return or to repent. In verse 1, it says, Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. God is calling Israel to return which means God wants them to repent, to come back to the Lord. And God will forgive all our sins and receive us graciously. And in verse 3, God is teaching us what to confess and how to confess and turn back to God. In verse 3, it says, Assyria cannot save us, meaning you cannot put your trust on other people, or on uh, powerful people, or your alliances. You know? And it says, we will not mount war, ho war horses. You know? God is saying, you cannot put your trust on your abilities, on your wealth. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made, for in you, the fatherless, the orphans, find compassion. It is in God we find compassion. Verse 4 to 7 is a call to receive God's love and forgiveness. Verse 4, it says, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. See, God loves us freely. And He says, For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the Jew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down His roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an 
olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Verse 8 to 9 is God's call for us to remember our identity. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me, who is wise. Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So how can we experience God's grace? First, by returning to God. Uh, verse 1 to 3, God is calling Israel to return to the Lord. To return is to repent of one sin. We live in a world today where we are good at calling out others for their sin or their weaknesses. But as followers of Christ, what is more important is we call out the sin in our own life. We must call sin a sin because only when we become vulnerable and weak before God do we experience the grace of God. Again, only when we become vulnerable and weak before God do we experience the grace of God. Wouldn't it be great to be in a church that is humble, authentic, loving, instead of a church that is perfect, commits no sin, and shallow? We live in a world today where image is king. No image. As Christians, many of us, or 99% of us, dare not show our true colors because we are afraid of what fellow Christians will say when, you know, what, what fellow Christians will say when we open our life up, when we say we are struggling with sin, when we say we are struggling with lust, with pornography, with masturbation, with uh, gambling, with... Uh, doing business wrong, by not paying our taxes, by not being a uh, caring father. We're afraid to let our sins be known. But shouldn't it be in the church where we are able to open up and receive acceptance? Hosea 14 is a chapter about experiencing God's grace when we confess our sin and accept God's love and forgiveness. That is what Hosea 14 is about. It's about experiencing God's grace when we confess our sins on bended knees and accept God's love and forgiveness. So why is it so hard to return to God? The answer is sin. Sin has been our downfall. Sin has corrupted our hearts. Sin has kept us away from having a deep, meaningful relationship with God. You see, in marriage, 
Why do couples who start so in love end up so confused or so um, distant? It's because of sin. In work, why do people who start so passionate about a job end so discouraged at the end? It's because of sin. In our faith, why do people who start uh, have so much love for Jesus, but at the end, they lose hope? It's because of sin. My friends, we have a sin problem today. And actually, for Christians who have been staying long in a church, sin is actually a bigger problem for us because we are so accustomed to hearing the word sin and we do admit we are a sinner, but we always have a scapegoat. We always say, ah, the world is more sinful. So therefore, my sin, ah, it's just a sin. The problem is not that we don't believe in sin. The problem is we have lost the meaning of sin sa life natin. We have watered down the impact of sin and we don't take it as serious as before. You see, the first time I understood the meaning of sin, I was 12 years old. No? I laid down my life beside the standard of God in the Bible. No? I laid it down. I was 12 years old. I took a look at my life. No? I put it you know, in God's sight. I said, Lord, look at my life. And you know, when I offered my life to Him, I saw my wickedness. I saw my pride, my selfishness as a young boy. And I cried to the Lord because I knew I was not good enough. I knew I was not worthy of the love of Jesus. But it was at that moment in my life when I admitted and I confessed my sins to the Lord, that I experienced the grace of God. Only when we come to God in our brokenness and humility can we see and understand the grace of God. There was once a man named George Wallace. In 1962, he ran for governor of Alabama on a platform that was racist. Yes, he was a racist. He, um, his infamous statement was, I say segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He did not want black students to register to the University of Alabama. So in May 15, 1972, while campaigning in Maryland, Wallace was shot five times. He was left paralyzed and in constant pain. He was confined in a wheelchair. He was divorced by his second wife. George Wallace was a broken man. He experienced suffering and he realized the suffering that he had inflicted upon the black people. So one day, he passed the doors of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, a black congregation, with remorse, George Wallace, in his wheelchair, 
willed himself into the church. And the black congregation was stunned to see George Wallace, a racist, in their church. There, George Wallace confessed he had been wrong. He apologized for the suffering and pain he had caused to the black community and asked them to forgive him. He not only asked for forgiveness, but he also showed it in his actions. So during two more terms as governor, he built bridges to black community and he developed relationships with the black leadership. My friends, it took five bullets and suffering and pain to bring George Wallace to his knees. But once broken, he had the courage to face his sins by repenting and asking for forgiveness. So I ask us today, what will it take for you to return to God? What will it take for you and me to return to God? Is five bullets also what you need? Is five bullets what you need? You see, God was calling Israel to return to Him. And that sin is the problem which has caused their downfall. The Israelites had a sin problem, just like us. Sin had caused Israel to disobey God. But the question we must answer and reflect is, do you understand that sin is your problem? Do you understand that sin is your problem, it's my problem? Is it your wealth? Is it your abilities? Is it your image? What sin do you need to confess to God? So how can we experience God's grace? First, by returning to God in brokenness and humility. And second, we have to receive God's love and forgiveness. In verse 4, God says, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. You see, we don't deserve God's love and forgiveness. Totoo yan, pag dinignan mo, in any aspect, we don't, receive, we don't deserve God's love and forgiveness. But, sabi sa verse 4, He gives it freely. And this is love. No, when we say God is love, it's a period. God loves. Period. God doesn't love you because A, B, C, D, uh, you do this stuff. But God loves you, period. We have to accept that. That was one concept that I had a hard time accepting when I was young as a Christian. I couldn't accept the fact that God loves me, period. I thought God would only love me if I did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. My friends, if you confess your sins, no, um, accept and receive God's love, and you will experience the grace of God. God promises grace if you repent and confess of your sins, and we must be ready to receive 
God's love and forgiveness. You see, God used the prophet Hosea to speak his words of healing and love into our lives. I'm reminded that as Christians, we must also speak life into people. We must take God's word and breathe hope into the lives of others. You know, when I was a young Christian here, I remember instances where more older, mature Christians would speak into my life. They would say, you know, uh, Shoti or Wiljo, you are special. You are loved by God. You are created in God's image. I believe in you. You can do it. You are a blessing. You are a true friend. Jologs ka aya. Okay, hindi ko naintindihan yun. Pero jologs daw ako. But you know, when, when I experience those uh, words of encouragement, I've also learned to speak life into the younger generation. I've also learned to speak God's word into the lives of others. Believing in them when nobody does. Caring for them when nobody cares. Listening to them when nobody would like to listen to them. So how will we know if we have experienced God's grace? How will you know if you have experienced God's grace? Actually, you will know if you exhibit love in your life. You see, we live in a world today where it's very self-centered. You think about yourself. Now, before you give, you think about, will I have enough? That's how we do it. When you are about to give 100 pesos, you will look at your wallet. Usually, how much do you want to have before you give 100? Some will say, ah, kailangan at least may 1,000 ako. So, I'll give the 100. No, minsan, pag may 500 siya, ang bibigay lang niya 20. Diba? But if you have experienced the grace of God in your life, then you will have experienced the love of God and you will be able to exhibit that in your life. You would be able to love others, care for others. Okay? And I believe, okay, you cannot give what you don't have. If you have never experienced the grace of God, then how can you give love to others? You cannot. You cannot give, you cannot give love, nor can you give forgiveness. So how do we experience God's love? First, by returning to God. Second, by receiving God's love and forgiveness. And third, by remembering our identity. God used the prophet Hosea to recall the people to their true selves. God says in verse 8, Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. So who is Ephraim? Ephraim in the Hebrew language means fruitfulness. Ephraim was the younger grandson of Jacob, blessed over the firstborn, prophesying he would grow to become the greater people. Ephraim was the tribe of Israel that became so great, its name became a synonym for the northern kingdom, Israel. The Lord reminds Ephraim, or Israel, its identity. 
And the name means, the Lord has made fruitful. The Lord wants the Israelites to remember their true identity. They are to be fruitful. They are to be fruitful. Through Hosea the prophet, God reminds the people, Israel, who they were meant to be. Israel was not only meant to be fruitful, but also to be wise. So God reminds Israel of its true identity. You are to be fruitful and wise. In the movie, uh, Blood Diamonds, there's a scene that is powerful that speaks about identity. There was an African man who found a great diamond and hid it away. He has a family and the film opens with the father getting his son ready for school. They live in the battle-torn Sierra Leone and the rebel warlord wants the diamond to buy guns. So he kidnaps the son of the African man. He teaches the 10-year-old boy to carry a gun, to fire a gun, to kill people, and to do drugs. In short, he brainwashes the 10-year-old boy to become a what? A fighting machine. After much searching, the father finds his son in a rebel camp and tries to get him back. But the son acts as if he doesn't know him. So the son yells, traitor! But the father grabs the son and runs away. The warlord and his soldiers pursue him. Soon there is you know, a scuffle for the gun. Okay? So the boy grabs the gun and is about, to sh- is about to shoot the soldiers. The father yells, No! And the boy points the gun to his father and is about to shoot him, to shoot his own father. And the father starts to speak love to his son. He says, Your name is Dio. You are my son. I am your father. You live with your family in our village where, where you help me in my fishing business. Every morning, I wake you up and get you ready to go to school so that one day, you can become a doctor. Your mother loves you. Your sister loves you. Our dog loves you. You are not a soldier. You are not a killer. You are my son. You are my son. Sometimes, when we live in sin for such a long time, we forget our identity in Christ. My friends, for those of us who have been bondaged in sin, you are loved, you are special, you are a son of God. No matter what you have done, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter what others say about you. What is important is what God thinks about you. So do you want to experience God's grace? Return to God. Confess your sins. Receive God's love and forgiveness.
Remember your identity. I started by saying that um, I got COVID uh, during September. And on September 20, I could not breathe. I, my oxygen went down to 84. I was looking for a hospital, could not go into any. And I prayed to God. I confessed my sins. And I asked Him, to take care of my children. I asked him that if you know, he would save my life, I will obey him. I will obey him. My friends, God's grace is real. It's not just a concept, but his love, his forgiveness is something that once you experience, okay, it will change your life. So, return to God. Repent of your sins. Receive His love and forgiveness. And remember, you are a child of God. God bless.